Now, The Lost Order, uh, I kind of already mentioned this at the top of the show, saying how it hit limited release earlier this month, and uh, I managed to catch a screener of it, uh, but it's still pretty fresh in my mind, but it's now streaming on Netflix, so great time to talk about it, and more people can check it out. This is a new film written and directed for the first time by Maggie Gyllenhaal, her feature debut, and it's based on the novel by Elena Ferrante, who I actually have the novel over on my desk there. And uh, it's a bit of a, it's like a psychological drama about motherhood, kind of like an uncomfortable meditation on really like what, what the time, the, the types of mothers who are just like, I don't want to be a mother, but I am one. Uh, it's that kind of story. It stars Olivia Coleman, Dakota Johnson, Jesse Buckley, which say Olivia Coleman is really the main character here. And we follow her while she's on a vacation in Greece. And she kind of like sees herself, like her younger self through this other person there who's with their daughter who is just like having a really rough time and she's of course played by dakota johnson and we see flashbacks of olivia coleman's own life and how she handled you know the the perils of motherhood uh played by jesse buckley we also have paul mescal in this movie who uh, we recognize from normal people which is a very important series to to me in general Uh, also peter sarsgaard is in this and the wonderful ed harris who shows up in this and has a pretty sizable role uh, now, Olivia Coleman also serves as an executive producer. This is definitely an awards favorite uh, in some circles. Uh, it premiered, I think, at Venice. And I think it's one of Netflix's big plays for a couple of nominations, uh, at least in the acting and possibly adapted screenplay. And uh, we should, of course, say the screenplay, I did say it was written and directed by Maggie Gyllenhaal. She also did the screenplay. And I think first off the bat, I got to say, Maggie Gyllenhaal, Wow fantastic debut from her whether or not people like the film and i think i don't think everybody's loving this movie i think that this is a really strong start for her directing career and her screenplay career i don't think she's getting enough credit for the the screen her screenwriting bona fides although she did win an an award already for best screenplay uh through venice if i'm not mistaken so Mm -hmm. that said will ashen uh lost daughter what do you think of this movie you like it good film i'm gonna say that off top um and i agree that because I think this movie, it's not particularly flashy in terms of its visuals. I think it's very precise, like the way that uh, like the, the movie comes together, especially as an adaptation. I think it's easy for folks, especially because it's on Netflix, which I think is probably it, it's good in terms of getting it eyeballs. But I don't think this is probably the right way to distribute the film. This is like the type of film you need to watch, I feel like, at Art House with like five other people spread out on like a Tuesday or uh, like a sunday afternoon or something like that sunday matinee like we can really like kind of fully devote your attention to it would you agree with that yeah it feels like a weird movie i can picture myself in that theater eating the like it's that day when the popcorn is just right you know what i'm saying like i'm i'm there it just reminds me of the movies i would see at my college art house theater like a like a saturday at like 245 and like nobody's talking to each other there are like four other people in the theater and then you go to the bathroom afterwards and like some guy next to you in the urinal is like pretty good movie right and it's like i guess um, <laughs> we don't talk in here yeah <laughs> Uh, not, I guess, because I didn't like the movie more. Just like, I don't know who this man is. Why are you talking to me? Um, I've had that experience a few times. If you, if you can't infer, but I, I, uh, the last time I had that experience, I think was for the hateful eight during the intermission. Really? Yeah. Some, oh, some the, what did they say? They were just like, wow, I, I what's going to happen next? And I'm like, oh, really? we don't talk in here. Okay. Yeah. That's, 
Word of advice, because I know we have younger listeners. Um, don't spark up movie conversations in the yeah, bathroom yeah. with strangers. <laughs> not a good idea. Not a good idea. Your attentions may not be uh, bad, but it's not the time nor place. Um, but yeah, no, I think, uh, it, it, like you said before, like I, I think there is something very specific about the way she films this movie. It's not, like I said, a particularly showy film, but like even like though it's very uh, picturesque, there is something like this underlying current of terror that doesn't feel overstated, but it's like constantly fueling the film throughout. And I think a lot of that comes from really smart editing choices. But I also think it's just her as a filmmaker, one that's pretty adept, like you said, coming into this um, early on. It just feels like she knows exactly what she wants to say with this text. She's not making like very like flashy choices but all those choices feel very in sync with what she's saying and it's a really impressive debut yeah i think what's key to this debut it's not just the technicals obviously the technicals are impressive in their own right i think what impresses me the most is that she's not flinching with this subject matter which i think is is what makes or break this novel making it as an adaptation because this this sparks really uncomfortable dialogue about a type of person who sees the downfall of motherhood and and kind of just wants to shun it. And it, it kind of humanizes and sympathizes a point of view that movies just don't usually talk about or don't usually get into, especially not at this scale. Like we get something, maybe like a French film here or there, will have something like a character like this as the protagonist. But yeah, I mean, Olivia Coleman in this, she's not like likable. Like she's she's mean. She She's a uh, bit of a brat. And at the geez. same time, I love her. She's complex. She's complex. Yeah. Like she, she's rude to people, but she kind of like catches herself and then tries to adjust. And she has a hard time being fake. You know, she has a hard time yes. with like niceties and she does like terrible things for no good reason. And like, I think the fascination behind this movie is getting to know her and understanding her or trying to. And I think when we get to the end of the movie, that is really what makes this movie kind of like stick out to me is how it's able to bring a character like her to life in kind of a profound way like a way that i wasn't expecting and yeah i think in terms of like characterization this is the kind of movie that like has my number yeah i mean i heard that complaint going into it that her character is unlikable and for one i think anyone who is just dismissing a movie because the character is unlikable is uh i think they're kind of showing their ass a little bit because like how many movies have we gotten with unlikable male characters that get praised rightly or wrongly And I feel like there's this kind of uh, this hypocrisy where it's just like, oh, because we get an unlikable female character. Not saying that's the case for everyone that dislikes the movie, but I think it is for some. So I felt like it was worth saying. But um, at the same time, uh, I was I, I guess because I was so uh, I, I was so often told that her character is unlikable that I guess I was expecting her character to be more unlikable. And I felt like her the Jesse Buckley character is more unlikable than the Olivia Coleman one. Like, I feel like, like we said, she's kind of just more like standoffish and like she does kind of some impulsively selfish things, but it's not like she's like, you don't, I don't know though. She's doing, she's doing like an extended deception oh, for that a child. Thing, yeah. That is right, like, that's a bit, yeah, that is like, it's really hard to sort of be like, I like this guy. You know what I'm saying? No, like, no, it's no, a but little I get what different. you mean. Well, that, I mean, yeah, as we find out about that, going, but I mean, like early on where it's just like, yeah, sure, early these strangers on, are coming up. It's like, yeah, hey, yeah. can you like move? It's like, I don't know you. Like, why yeah, would that I want to I was like, just like, you go. Like, right, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, uh, that's what I'm talking about. More like stuff like that. But um, yeah, I think Olivia Coleman is, uh, as expected, really good in this movie. Um, and I, I think what I really like about Maggie Gyllenhaal's um, 
direction is that obviously she knows as an actress herself how to really highlight her performance. Like Livy Coleman is an actress who can, you know, can be brought theatrical in certain roles, but I think there's a chilliness here that I think is kind of hard to communicate. If, if, if you have a director that doesn't showcase that well, this performance can seem too understated. And I think she's good about allowing Olivia Coleman to feel very, uh, um, like uh reserved and in in the um, i'm not exactly sure what word i was looking for but like kind of reserved and and chilly but like you can understand her impulsively even if you don't understand exactly uh what's going on in her mind you can kind of sympathize where she's standing and understand her as a character and i think that's something that you know as we've been mentioning already for a first time first time filmmaker to communicate that uh visually really well is, is something that i find really impressive I think the word that I was gravitating toward for her character was there's something unsettling about this person. And for most of the movie, it's just it's hard to pinpoint why why am I so unsettled by this? And it's a movie that examines that reaction. It's about that. And it's sort of being like, you know, we put all of these expectations and all of these preconceptions of like what a mother is into people. Like people tell us, like, I have two kids and you make you immediately make assumptions about them. And I think this is a movie sort of like poking at like human beings are so much more complex than the the labels and the sort of archetypes that we create for people. I think that's why it's such a killer debut for me, because for a first time filmmaker and like you said, an actor to really get to the root of something like that in you know a way that by all intents that I can tell is pretty true to the novel. I haven't read the whole thing. But uh, certainly is like capturing the spirit of that novel and like what it's trying to investigate. Yeah, I think that this movie really lands. Now, is it a movie that I think is going to like rattle your bones and, you know, invigorate, you know, your thirst for cinema? (laughs) Not necessarily. I think I think that it's a a really fun thinking movie that uh, maybe fun isn't the right word, but I think it's 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 one that I went through really interested the entire time. And and, and I certainly got a few things out of it. Um, Not not to say that it's for sure the most entertaining and amusing film you can watch, but not that it's trying to be. Right. Well, that's why, I mean, look, like, I mean, I know power of the dog is doing well in there, so I don't want to assume that like, um, Netflix users have like kind of restless fingers, but I, I do feel like this is the type of movie that probably is best benefited by like wrestling with it in the theater. If you could like, you know, certainly like if you were to kind of like sit with it and like kind of stew with it a little bit more, I worry with something like Netflix where, you know, you have the remote next to you, and you're kind of dealing with a character who's a bit inscrutable and, you know, not always someone you can sympathize or relate to. You can, you know, kind of flip the channel and put on Cobra Kai. And, uh, you know, that, that, that I think hey, that's I a just watch fourth season of Cobra Kai and it's it rules. So I'm not I'm Careful. not dismissing Cobra Kai. I'm just saying that, like, I think that temptation can come about a little bit easier on Netflix. So, I mean, I'm glad they distributed. I'm glad we're getting movies like this. But I also worry with a studio like or a distributor like uh, Netflix, if, if that if this is the type of movie that that best suits their um, their service. But at the same time, like I said, I'd much rather they have it and release it than the other way around. But yeah, I do want to mention that uh, I said that it's not that amusing. It has amusing moments, though. Oh, it's and very darkly funny. In certain yes, moments. very darkly dryly, funny. Uh, Ed, Harris, funny too, yeah. Ed Harris dances in this movie. Olivia Colman dances in this movie. And yeah. I really dug this Jesse Buckley performance. It's really good. I think what's good about it to me the most is that she and Olivia Colman look nothing alike. But for some reason, I bought yeah. that they're the same person. Like, no, I, I, I don't know how I they agree. did that. Like, because when I, uh, yeah. 
Because when I heard about the movie, I didn't know much about the plot. I was under the assumption that Jesse Buckley was playing her daughter. So when I saw there she was going to be her in the flashback scenes, I was like, oh, okay, that's kind of a, uh, you know, like I said, physically, I don't quite see the two. I mean, obviously, Jesse Buckley, I think, is taller than uh, Olivia Coleman, a few other uh, differences. But yeah, I think I, I agree with you that like it, it was a performance. I was like, I kind of had to sit with it as well. But I, I think ultimately, and it's, you know, it's kind of hard to follow Olivia Coleman, to be fair. But I think mm-hmm. Jesse, Jesse Buckley is, uh, you know, obviously quite a standout actress. She continues to impress in a lot of things, including last year's um, You Were Never Really Here. But I'm thinking uh, not, sorry, not, uh, I'm thinking of anything. Sorry. Um, but uh, yeah, I think she's really doing some outstanding stuff. And certainly this is no exception. Yeah, Jesse Buckley, one of our finest young actors today. I think that Dakota Johnson is quite good in this as well. Another one of our wonderful, you know, like new kid, new generation on the block kind of actor, uh, but kind of like mixing it up with some older proven actors, as we see in this with Ed Harris and Olivia Coleman and more. Now, I, I got a question for you, Will. It's a, it's a tough question. You know, it's one that okay. maybe is a little bit more open ended than I'm about to make it sound. But who is the lost daughter? Is it? Is it we Olivia are. Coleman? Is it is it all of us? <laughs> sure. Is it Maggie Gyllenhaal? Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, without giving too much away about the plot, I, I do kind of like that there is that um, that sort of ripple effect to it. Like we're seeing, like kind of like three different uh, generations of motherhood. One, you know, like who uh, obviously is like follow like uh, Olivia Coleman's character, uh, you know, has a lot of regrets about how she handled her motherhood. Um, uh, we have a. Uh, Dakota Johnson, you know, just a newfound mother and having some of the feelings that a lot of people or a lot of mothers have, but maybe don't feel comfortable vocalizing. And then we have uh, another woman. I can't think of the actress's name, but like she is, you know, coming into motherhood a little bit late. But, uh, you know, she kind of uh, has her opinions already about what motherhood should be uh, and doesn't quite uh, feel comfortable with Olivia Coleman's uh, general disposition. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, it's I, it's a movie. I mean, it feels weird that we're like two guys kind of talk about this movie because it's such a, a woman centric film. And I, I imagine there's a lot of great reviews that discuss these things a little bit more in depth and a little bit more thoughtfully. But, um, yeah, I think this is the type of movie that uh, I really like kind of chewing with and sitting with and um I don't know if it's quite going to hit my like best of year list, but it's a type of movie I'm really thankful that we're getting still. Yeah, I was going to I think that if uh, if there was one studio note I would put in, it's like call the lost daughters. Right. Uh, but no, in a more serious note, uh, one of my favorite lines from this movie and uh, kind of what you're talking about of like, yeah, you know, we're, we're two guys. We, we can't relate directly to this, but I do think it is pretty telling that we can get so much out of it just as like two outsiders, right, to this kind of story. And, you know, I think there are a lot of guys who watch this movie and might be confused. They won't know what to make of it. And that comes down to a line in this movie. I think it was like somebody says, I'm an unnatural mother. And I think where the guys kind of fit into this story is that like, you know, a lot of those expectations, a lot of those like demands that are made of mothers can be rooted from not just other women, which this movie talks about, but also other men, you know, or men in general who are just sort of like, you're supposed to do this because you're the mother. You're supposed you have this responsibility and this and this and this. And what I, what I like about this movie is that it's, it's daring, you know, it's brave enough to say like, you know, there, there is a person who feels this way and, you know, shouldn't be judged for it. And even if you do judge her, you know, I, I just think there's a movie that's pretty good about, you know, dissecting that judgment in a, in a thoughtful way that 
uh, hopefully can bring some catharsis to people watching and being like, you know, I've always felt like that. You know, I can see people watching this. I've, I've met people who are just sort of like, I, I could never see myself having kids. Like it isn't just like a momentary thing. It's just something I'm, you know, starkly opposed to. And I, I like the idea of them being able to watch a movie like this and being like, you know what? I'm not alone. Like, you know, and I, I maybe they always knew they weren't alone, but it's just, it's nice when a movie sort of validates that feeling that usually is being called unnatural. And so like, if a movie can do that, particularly one on Netflix, I think that's really great. I think that's really uh, a really good thing that can help people process some really tough stuff. So, you know, not to say that, you know, everybody who's going to get something out of it is going to be that kind of person. But uh, I do think that it's uh, certainly instructive in a lot of ways, having compassion and empathy yeah. for people who see the world differently and, you know, have the right mm -hmm. to do so. Yeah, I mean, I, I genuinely find it really impressive that this is a uh, American film because it does, like I think you mentioned earlier, have a sort of European feel to it, not only in terms of the location that it's filmed in, but just the general aesthetics and the, the way that it approaches these kind of uh, inscrutable subject matters. And, well, the author and is Italian of the, oh, the subject matter. Well? Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. I just meant from a uh, the, the film production standpoint. Sure, uh, sure. Is she involved with the film? I don't know. Actually. I don't think so. She's not a yeah. producer. Okay. Well, obviously, I know, like you said, Maggie Gyllenhaal uh, adapted the screenplay, but I didn't know she, like you said, produced the film. Right, um, right. Um, but yeah, I mean, well, yeah. I mean, we also, I mean, just like obviously like in America, we're kind of in this like, and not to get like too uh, into it, but we're kind of in this weird time where like I think people have certain expectations for women and what women's roles in societies should be in terms of like their uh, anatomy and gender and, uh, and their like motherhood and stuff like that. And I think having a film like this is so refreshing because like you said, it asks a lot of tough difficult questions and it gives you a lot to chew on but doesn't give any particularly easy answers about either and yeah it's a really impressive film in that regard we finally we finally agree on a film this week i mean i guess we kind of agreed on sing too i guess sure sort of i don't know we, we agreed sing, more than we did and we'll say that uh we went we, from we, sing two to singing the praises of <laughs> there you go Lost yeah we had some daughter. praises to sing for this yeah. one um I want to say, you know, I, I don't think Paul Mescal is, you know, particularly utilized well here. Like, I think he's good in the movie as Will. It's kind of like, you know, oh yeah, Will roundabout kind of guy. He, I, he's perfectly nice in this. But if people, yeah, but, people uh, aren't familiar, he's he is killer in the show Normal People. It's a limited series that was on Hulu oh, last year. Oh, that's where he's from. Yes. And he is yeah. wonderful in that show. Uh, I was excited to see him in this, but I, I just didn't get like that full Paul Mescal experience. But uh, sure. certainly, certainly good in this movie. I was, yeah, because I they introduced him fairly early on. And you're like, huh? I wonder if he's going to play mm, a bigger role later in the film, yeah. and not really. Yeah, yeah. Um, but he's more uh, of a plot yeah. device than anything else. Um, you know, not the well. Since we're talking about the men, the movie, I will say Ed Harris. So wonderful to see him again. He's fantastic in this. Uh, and uh, Maggie Gyllenhaal's husband, Pierce Arsgard, is in the film. And Yeah, you know. yeah. He shows up uh, kind of like midway through the movie. And, you know, I was kind of like, is this just going to be a cameo because of the relation? But no, he, yeah, he gets a few interesting scenes. And I like that, like, I, I don't know. I mean, I feel like Hollywood never really knew what to do with Pierce Arsgard. I feel bad for the guy. I, I mean, he's true. probably very rich. Like, he, he always kind of got type cast into these like sort of villainous roles but i feel like there's always sort of a sensuality to him that's like kind of hard to put your finger on like there's a couple movies that deal with it like kingsley i remember mm, talking, boys don't like, cry boys don't cry that's a good example i guess uh i actually haven't seen boys don't cry so i, I don't want to speak out of turn with that oh no, you should it's quite good i one of my, my favorite movie with him though where he's not he, of course he's not like really a villain in a traditional right. way is probably an education which, uh, you know, the oh, yeah, that's a good, yeah, in education, good example. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that, like, in that movie, he's just like, whew, that, it, it, yeah, the, the deep, the depth of his acting is just so, prof like, 
it's endless right. in that kind of movie. But then you get him in something like Magnificent Seven, you know, where you're just like, oh, okay. But yeah, but I mean, I mean, uh, as we were, I guess, sort of alluding to, like the the female lens, I guess, in this movie, like the way that she's able to look at um, Peter Sarsgaard in a way that's like you know very sexual in a way that I don't think we typically get in American films like this. Um, it's refreshing to see. You know, you know, you don't you, you don't really get that perspective, I guess, a lot in films like this. Yeah. Agreed. Well, it's now playing on Netflix and I think it's still playing in some theaters. So it sounds like we both recommend The Lost yeah. Daughter. Rotten Tomatoes game. OK, well, Ashton, 163 mm-hmm. reviews have been counted. One of them's mine. And so that gives you, you at least a little bit of a clue, right? Were you uh, positive on the film? I was positive on Yeah, I was quite positive on the film. In, uh, I just my, wanted to make sure. I didn't know if you if your opinion changed, if you were more uh, favorable with time. You think or not. I'm just like a fair weather. I'm just like going back and forth because you looked at my yearly rankings your, and you were yeah, just I looked like, at your yearly ranking and you're like all over the place now. I don't know what to think of <laughs> John Negroni film the critic. Right, I've been I've been updating it all year. It's not like right. but anyway, uh, 163 reviews have been counted for the Lost Daughter. What do you think the critic score is right now in Ron Tomatoes? 89 percent, 96 percent. Wow, back. okay, good, good Very for high. good for Lost Daughter, yeah. I think it, it put it, it perked up a little bit too because I think it was a little bit lower and then it kind of went up. I think it, uh, you know, because like when I was watching it at that point, I didn't really know if it was going to be like a darling for critics. It seemed like it could go either way. I was kind of hearing from some people who had seen it from Venice being like, oh, you know, it's okay. And then some people being like, oh, it's good. Um, but yeah, some of the effusive it, praise is starting yeah. to happen now, I think. I feel like it's more of a critic circle favorite than mm-hmm. a uh, award season favorite. Very but I can, yeah, but I can certainly see why uh, the Netflix put in their like Oscar contender roundup. Yeah, it's it is amazing how the favorite just sort of rocketed Olivia Coleman to this level. You know, like that was a movie people were not expecting well her to win best actress yeah. for and you know since then yeah. i think that yeah her career is just like the father and the father yeah i mean yeah. I th- she she is certainly now like one of our top tier you know actors uh working right now uh what about the audience score we have 250 plus ratings not a lot of ratings for a netflix movie but what do you think what do you think audiences are saying about this one as a what do you think uh i'm gonna say 72 percent oh man 43 percent Ooh, 43 and there was a i whole, knew they were gonna be more there was critical, a tweet but... thing a, a controversy yesterday uh where there were some people a debacle, a, debacle, a bit of a discourse where <laughs> there were a couple of people who are horrible like if, if, if film twitter's worst who are just sort of like Ooh. this is the disconnect between critics and fans and people mm-hmm. were just like please stop talking like that was kind of the gist um they were like, I haven't seen a divide this steep. Critics are so out of touch. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like, uh, I, I hate this. Oh, those folks. Okay, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I thought you were talking like critics being like, see, like, why can't audiences appreciate this movie? No, other so, direction. Like, you're you're saying it's backwards. Like, critics should be, like, more critical of this film because the audiences are, quote, unquote, saying it how it is. Yeah, 250 um, plus ratings. <laughs> like, almost the same amount of critics and they're not even verified ratings so yeah well i mean do you think it's because it centers around a as we mentioned unlikable female because it's a tough watch it's not a traditionally like that's the thing that bugs me when people are like there's a divide between critics and fans usually when that's the case it's because it's a it's a tougher film it's a more challenging film and that's kind of to be expected it's like people like well yeah but there's no divide like between like spider-man no way home it's like yeah because that's not as challenging a film. Like it's well, pretty like easy to evaluate the quality of that one. 
there's a reason I think this movie didn't get dropped uh, on Christmas Eve the same way Don't Look Up does. And it's funny to think <laughs> that like Christmas. Don't Look Up is considered more accessible to a wider audience than The Lost Daughter. But at because the same time, it makes it people feel good about themselves of like, I have the right opinion about the world ending. No, I think like people watch the movie and get self-righteous. Oh, and, of course, like, yeah. Morally superior. You know. Morally superior. There's like a bit of like a, I can be, so, I can bring on this righteous indignation because I see these people who don't like the movie and that like, makes me want to target yeah. them and just be like, you don't like this movie, you don't like this movie's message. And it's just like, my gosh, are mm. we in preschool? Like, okay. All right. This is why our average rating on Cinemaholics is going down. Yeah. I'm going a little bit too hard. Sorry. Um, sure. That's the lost daughter. Uh, we don't we don't have a cinema score, if you can believe it, but we do have a letterboxed average, and we've been doing this a little bit more recently. We didn't do it for Tragedy of Macbeth and Sane too, but uh, let's do it for this one. What do you think the average letterbox rating is? You know, letterbox of course is a five point system. Three point four. Three point six, not bad. Hmm. Pretty, pretty close, only point two off. Uh, yeah, three point six out of five. So yeah, most most people are pretty much giving it like three and a half stars. I think that's pretty in line. I think I'm around like a three and a half star if I had to do it, uh, which is uh, quite good. Very good film. 